Well, come Monday, we'll see the first pot shops springing up across the province. Although we're not sure just how many will have an open sign up on the first day, as apparently some just aren't ready to go. However, McMaster University is more than ready with its new Science of Cannabis program, which is a a new course that focuses on the science of pot alongside its benefits, its risks, and its harms. Dr. James McKillop is the director of the Michael DeGroote Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research, and he joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Dr. McKillop, uh, thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Good to be with you. All right. This is a fascinating course. And just uh, first off, I wanted to ask you to start. uh, Just how many jokes have you heard from people who say, my major was marijuana, it just wasn't recognized by the school at the time? Many, many, many jokes. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, cynics would say that, uh, you know, maybe the school is capitalizing on uh, pot popularity. But uh, why, in your estimation, is this course a logical next step or necessary? Well, you hear a lot of jokes, but it is serious business. And I think that uh, cannabis in Canada now is a a national discussion. Legalization is less than a year underway, and it's changing people's perceptions. It's changing the economy. And we really perceive there to be a lot of misinformation out there, a lot of mythology and lore rather than good science. And so this cannabis certificate is really intended to give people foundation in Uh, what the evidence really shows. Okay, well, first off, then let me ask you the obvious question. What is the biggest misconception about cannabis that's out there right now? I I wish I could say that there was just one misconception. I think that, unfortunately, uh, what is a common theme is that people tend to be a bit over-optimistic about the evidence, and they tend to underestimate the uh, risks that go along with cannabis use. So, uh, to be sure, we're not, uh, you know, promoting a reefer madness perspective in which we, we um, you know, think that uh, cannabis is uh, problematical for everyone. But I think we really try to take a more balanced approach and think about what are the risks and harms, what are the potential benefits, and how can we kind of balance the two. Okay, why have we not had that balance? Is it just because this has rapidly become a commercialized product that's out in the mainstream now, and whenever something like that happens, uh, there's hype or overhype on either end? I think that one of the reasons we don't have that balance is there really has not been as much dedicated, coordinated research on cannabis as you would expect, given that it is uh, the most common psychoactive drug uh, used after alcohol and tobacco. And I think that often there's been a, a very heavy focus, rightly, on things like opioid use, especially in light of the opioid epidemic, and also other um what are considered more serious drugs like cocaine or methamphetamine. Um, But what that means is we do have big gaps in evidence. And so I think that where we don't have uh, good data, there's there's room for people to um, interpret perhaps more favorably. All right. If we have gaps in evidence and uh, we need more uh, data, did we kind of rush to judgment, if you will, here? Uh, Should we have uh, held off, do you think, as a country legalizing uh, this? Or is this just a natural evolution? I think that's a really great question, and I wish I had a a straightforward answer. I think that over the next couple of years, we're going to see what the consequences will be and whether or not um, the the decision should have been, um, you know, protracted further and should have gone from, uh, you know, illegal status to decriminalization and then to legalization. Um, I think that what we know is that compared to other drugs, cannabis is um, less harmful in many ways, but not harmless. 
in other ways. And so I think that um, you can still make a, a very strong argument for why it should be part of the legally available recreational uh, substances. But I, I do think that you can't lose track of the fact that there are risks. There are acute risks like uh, driving while impaired or uh, over-consuming, which won't result in you know an overdose death, but can certainly lead you to the emergency department. Uh, and there are long-term risks, too. So I think we really have to be mindful of both sides of the coin. All right. I was going to ask you about the biggest risks. In your estimation, that is the biggest one. Is it toking and driving? Because I know there was a lot of debate about that leading up to the date of legalization and afterwards, and the government, the tools are using to kind of test for and monitor that and whether or not it's accurate. I think that if you look across the whole population, that's probably where the biggest risk is, because anybody who uses cannabis, and there are millions of Canadians who do, is at risk for driving or otherwise operating uh, machinery or um, other kinds of uh, you know, risky um, undertakings when in- intoxicated. Um, there are other risks, too, but the reality is they tend to pertain to smaller segments of the population. Um, we do know, for example, that cannabis is associated with the development of psychotic disorders and that one can become addicted to cannabis, but those happen to smaller proportions of the total group of people who use cannabis. The reality is impairment is more or less a risk for anyone who uses, and we have to be very careful about making sure people are aware of that and that we monitor it and have the right tools to, to test. Is it a gateway drug? That was one of the arguments uh, we always heard, uh, you know, back in the day that, uh, you know, using marijuana and cannabis is going to lead to you using harder drugs uh, down the road. Uh, the data we have now, what does that suggest? It, that the, the hypothesis of a gateway drug has been undermined a lot. Now, depending on which data you look at, there there is a small amount of evidence, but I think the the notion of a kind of linear progression from cannabis to so-called harder drugs has been undermined to a large extent. Um, the reality is uh, millions of Canadians have used and use cannabis, whereas a much, much smaller uh, number of people use the uh, other illicit drugs. So I think that if it was a kind of natural conversion, you'd see quite different patterns. And, and indeed, the longitudinal studies don't suggest that it is necessarily a gateway. Now, that doesn't mean that it doesn't have its own set of risks, but certainly that notion that it will open the door to a lot more problematical substances has been undermined at this point to a large extent. And on the other side, the uh, benefits, the the biggest benefit of cannabis, it's what you alluded to just a few moments ago uh, when you talked about opioids. Is it pain relief? Is that the biggest uh, benefit we've got from uh, medicinal cannabis and legalizing it? That's a great question. So uh, to me, the strongest evidence we have actually is not around pain, but it's in the treatment of uh, pediatric seizure disorders, where there have been now several clinical trials that have shown benefits specifically of cannabidiol, a a non-psychoactive constituent of cannabis, in reducing seizures. And that's pretty compelling data. It's led the U.S. FDA to approve uh, a drug that's primarily using uh, cannabidiol. There is also a lot of data on cannabis for pain, which is really important because many more people suffer from pain disorders than uh, pediatric seizure disorders. However, it's not uh, black and white. So there's, there's evidence for some pain relief. There's also evidence that there are unpleasant side effects and um, other um, associated effects that are not ideal. And 
uh, lead some people to, to discontinue. So it's it's not going to be. It doesn't look like it's going to be a uh, a new panacea when it comes to pain. But certainly there is some promising signal there. All right. Just finally, a uh, pot shops, brick and mortar shops, are slated to open Monday in this province. We're seeing some reports that uh, many just aren't ready. Uh, just wondering if uh, you foresee a day when just like, I don't know, practicing law or, or being a pharmacist that, that you're going to need a degree, you're going to need to take a course such as the one that your school is offering. Well, I, I certainly think that you're going to need to have education. I think that, that just like um, selling alcohol or, uh, or uh, operating uh, or working in a casino, um, you need to have education among um, the, uh, the the individuals who are in storefronts to identify risks and, and be aware of the uh, the risks around cannabis. I don't know if that means that they all would need a full certificate on the science of cannabis, but I do think that you want to have an educated um, employee base in terms of uh, distributing this product to the public. All right, Dr. James McKillop, director of the Michael DeGroote Center for Medicinal Cannabis Research, one of the first post-secondary programs to offer one of the first post-secondary programs in Canada that focuses on the science of pot. Doctor, appreciate the time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much. My pleasure.